0: Well, it's very significant that of all the one-word descriptions that could be used to describe our relationship with God, the word that is chosen in this passage is rest. Real faith in Jesus brings us into a place of deep and profound rest. In contrast to that, the one word that could describe the world is restlessness. Uh, I don't know about you, but you just flip on the television, especially if it happens to be one of the cable news channels, and, and there's just restlessness everywhere. All around, there's conflict, frustration, division, hatred, turmoil, fighting among people and, and even and nations. But God offers his people rest. The word rest may have some negative connotations such as laziness or doing nothing or maybe even being bored. Uh, But that is certainly not not what is meant to communicate here in this passage. Rest in Hebrews 4 is, is a way of describing all the blessings and benefits of salvation through Jesus. This rest is the life. It's, and it's everything about this life that Jesus Christ died to bring us into. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is peace with God and the peace of God in our hearts. It is the love of God poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I love how Luke keeps singing these songs on Sunday. I don't know if it's by plan or accident that, you know, fit fit the message, but and we sang in that, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, how, how the love of Jesus is, is like a, a haven of rest for my soul. I don't remember the exact, the exact line, but, but that was communicated. The, the love of Jesus is a haven of rest. It is the rest for our souls that Jesus offered those who come to him. It is, it is the rest of knowing that Christ paid our debt in full. It's the rest of knowing that Jesus paid it all. And that we must no longer labor and strive to gain our acceptance with God. It's the peace of being freed from the misery and the guilt and the burden of our sins. It's that deep sense of well-being that comes from knowing that we are in God's hands. That we ourselves are in his care, that our lives and our future is in his hands, that we are under God's loving care, and all things will turn out for our good. And it is the rest of, of knowing, having confidence, having having assurance that we will spend a glorious and happy eternity with God. All of this and and much, much more that I can't even begin to describe, is what is communicated in this chapter by the word rest. In this passage, rest is also defined as God's rest. I Maybe I should say it's more specifically defined as God's rest. God calls it, my rest. They shall never enter my rest. And in verse 10, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. So it is a rest that comes directly from God. It is is a rest that is found only in God. It is a a rest that is found directly and specifically in God. As we draw near to God, we find rest for our souls in him. And it is God's rest because... God Himself is at rest. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but it's 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 really a, it's really a, a, a an amazing thing to think about. God Himself is at rest. Verse four says, "God rested on the seventh day from all His works." After God created the heavens and the earth, it, the Bible says He rested. God rested on the seventh day of creation, and in this passage, that that seventh day where God rested is viewed as continuing on all the way down through history and even to today, and it still remains today. God's rest because God is at rest. Verse 9, so then there remains a seventh day rest for the people of God. The promise of rest remains for us today because God himself is still at rest today. I hope Hope that's clear, but he started resting on the seventh day of creation, and that seventh day rest, that Sabbath day rest, God just continues to rest. He's in a state of rest today. There's no turmoil in God. There's There's no fretting in God. There's no absence of peace in God. There's no burdensome labor, no stress, no striving in God. God is the God of peace, and he's called that several times in in the scriptures he is the god of peace so we are invited to enter his rest we are invited to render enter his calm his his rest uh, there's an old hymn that proclaims this very beautifully uh, that just came to my mind came to my mind this last we haven't heard it for decades probably but There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God. A place where we, our Savior, meet near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God. A place where all is joy and peace near to the heart of God. And that song communicates very well that, God is at rest. He is a God of rest. And so we've, we find rest. We enter rest by drawing near to the God of peace, the God who is at rest. It's an amazing revelation if you think about it. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And that's a very well-known quote um, that many, many of you probably heard but there's there's a there's a kind of burden that all human beings carry a sense of restlessness or an absence of peace a weariness about life apart from god there's the weight of our sins and the misery that our sins take us into there's there's pain and disappointments in this life and and we all feel we all keenly feel our own brokenness we have we have a desire for something more but but all of this, all that we need to save us and fix us and heal us and satisfy us, is found in God Himself. There, there's an old spiritual. I think it's an old spiritual. Um, it's called "Fix Me, Jesus." anybody ever, anybody ever heard of that? That's, that's just that's the phrase. that's it. repeated over and over and over in in this song. But it, it, it communicates this, a, a beautiful thing. This 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 restlessness, this turmoil, this brokenness in our lives, our souls, it's, all, it's fixed by Jesus. It's healed in, his, in God. It's found in God himself. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a, what a powerful phrase that is. You will find rest for your souls. If you have lived or are living a kind of Christianity that is, that is like a, a heavy weight you carry around, that's not the life that Christ offered. If your understanding of the Christian life is that it is just one big, massive burden then you're mistaken in your understanding of the gospel. You're mistaken in your understanding of Jesus. There's there's a sense not to offend anyone, but there's a sense in which you don't know the real Jesus. Because when you come to him, you find rest for your souls. Verse 9 says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his If you enter God's rest, then you find yourself at rest, and you've rested from your works, just like God did back on the seventh day of creation. The Christian life is is not basically working for something or towards something. It is entering into something God has already done for us. And we enter by resting from our own works, and instead we rest... In the work of Christ for us. As we, we taught, I think pretty much probably every Sunday here, and especially when we went through the book of Galatians, we, we receive all that we need for salvation as a gift. We receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. Whatever you need today in your Christian life is received as a gift. It's to be received. It's received by prayer and faith. It's, 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 God is gives a, basically a, a giving God. We are basically a receiving people. Our role, God is to give. God's role is to give. He's a giver. Our role is to receive. And we also find inner peace and rest because when we come to him, we, we have come back to God for whom we were made and we come back into alignment with the purpose for which we were made and 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 so so there's a certain kind of rest that just comes from being aligned with God from from being in alignment with God from from doing his will from coming back coming back under his his care and his his mastery so to speak and we so it just brings it brings a, a rest to to our our lives, kind of like a you know a car. I, I guess if you if you put something foreign in the gas tank and just kind of chug down the road, it's it's like it's not at rest. But you put you put the real thing in it that it's supposed to run on, and you know just runs right down the road, good. And it's 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 kind of kind of like us when we when we when we um, are filled up with God, when we're in alignment with God, our lives become come at rest. And it is, it is this rest that gives us the freedom and the strength to go live life. Okay. This, this is not a call to, uh, to laziness or, or just complete inactivity. Uh, Isaiah 30, 15 says, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy one of Israel in in returning in returning to me and in rest you shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength rest and this inner quietness and trust inward trust in God leads to salvation but you know what it also leads it says to strength in rest and quietness and trust shall be your strength uh The strongest person in the room isn't the one who is all agitated and worked up. It's the person who has entered God's rest. There's there's, there's There's a quiet power and strength and ability to live life and ability to act and get things done when our souls, when our inner persons are at rest in God, in God's rest. And so... So we, we live and, and we work and, and we serve Christ from a place of rest in God. We, we get things done from a place of peace with God. And you can always accomplish much more in a state of inner rest and peace than you can in a state of turmoil and stress and anger and anxiety. That's, that stuff saps your strength. It just diminishes your ability to live life rest rest is energizing rest in God, the rest of God the peace of God this inward inward rest is is strengthening but it's 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 rest that is from God and is rest that is in God it's a rest of soul that is totally connected this isn't this isn't talking about yoga or meditating or you know finding some other way to try to calm yourself down this is talking about rest in your soul that comes from god and through god all right the rest that was promised to the israelites in the wilderness and i'm i'm not gonna i can't take time to tell you the whole story of the children of israel in the wilderness and going in the promised land and so forth but just just believe me by faith okay Uh, the rest that joshua was to lead the israelites into is is also a picture of rest that is used here in the book of hebrews Uh, god's people israelites they were they were They were to go live in a land of promise. They were to go live in a land of Canaan. They were to live there in peace and abundance. And and specifically, they were to have rest from their enemies. And I'm just going to read a a little bit of what God promised them uh, for a couple of reasons, which I'll I'll get to. Uh, God said, this land, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. I will send rain, both the autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle. You will eat and be satisfied. The Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you, every place where you Set your foot will be yours. No man will be able to stand against you. There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything that you've put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. That's all from Deuteronomy 11. And then there's this promise in Deuteronomy 12:10. you will cross the Jordan and settle in the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And he will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you will live in in safety. Now, I don't know about you, but to me that just communicates the heart of God to do good to his people. I mean, how could you read a description of of anybody wishing greater good and blessing and favor and joy and safety upon anyone than that? And so the, the, these, these promises to, to the Israelites, I think, help us even understand something of of God's passionate desire to do us good with all of His heart and to bring us into a place of abundant peace and rest, but this land, this literal promised land of Canaan, was only a, a foreshadowing of the greater rest that God promises us through Jesus. So, so however, however wonderful and good and beautiful those pro, that promised land sounded to those. Israelites, all that God offers us in the unfathomable riches of his grace is is greater. It's more. It's deeper. It goes farther. It has an eternal component. I mean, it's just a much, much greater promised land that God has promised us. We've had tremendously good good news. Our salvation is great that God has promised has promised us. It's a great, so great a salvation is this. So, I'm going to stop there in in trying to define uh, rest, but I felt like it was really important to not just start talking about rest and really not even understand what it is or where it comes where it comes from. And I I trust and I pray, I have prayed this week, I pray that, that by the help of the Holy Spirit I I I have helped you to see God's rest as a great thing, and as a wonderful thing. And if if I if I haven't made this sound like something you really want and desperately need, uh, then I haven't haven't really done my job this morning. But I trust that by the Holy Spirit that you get something of just the wonder and the beauty and the desirability of this rest that God has promised. Now we come really back to the beginning of the passage. Now now we're going to really start where the passage starts. Uh, But like I said, I thought that was really important to understand rest. The first point of the passage is this promised place of rest in God is available to you today. This promised place of rest in God is available. All All that we've talked about, peace, rest, hope, uh, it 's available to you right now, verse one. The promise of entering his rest still stands okay that 's a quote from the scripture The promise of entering his rest still stands right, and that's that 's a key theme of this passage it wasn 't just for some other people it wasn 't just for a long time ago the the promise of rest, and all that God means for that it's still stands. It still, it, st- it still stands as the he, writer of Hebrews is writing this book. It still stands today as I'm, I'm up here this morning. God wants you to enjoy his rest today. Uh, no matter how much inner turmoil you may feel, no matter how troubled your heart might be, no matter how much confusion um, is going on in your heart, no matter perhaps how much condemnation is weighing upon you, You can actually begin to live your life in this land of promise, in this place of rest, in this spiritual state of life. You can actually begin to live there today. God is the God of today. Today, if you hear his voice, he speaks today and invites you to his rest. The power and the presence and the peace of God was not just for the saints of old. It was not just for Moses and Joshua and the people with them. The wonders of God was not just for the apostles or for the New Testament church. God's rest and all that means is available for you today and for me today. You're not living at the wrong time in history. <laughs> Or you're not living in the wrong place to experience the promises of God. Nothing has happened in your life that can keep you from the promise of God, this promised rest today. This moment, right here this morning, even if it is starting to rain outside. Okay. Barclay's commentary said, Never think that the, the days of great promise and great achievement lie behind this is still God's today. There is a blessedness for you as great as the blessedness of any of the saints. All right, then here is, here's the scriptural logic that is used to make this point. And I don't want to lose anybody here, but I, I, I listened to a message by uh, Sam Storms on this passage. He said this is one of the most complex passages in all of, of scripture so i don't want to lose you but I, th- I think it's really helpful to understand the scriptural logic that is used to emphasize why god is still offering you rest right here right now this morning verse 6 those who formerly received the good news in other words the jews in the wilderness he's talking about people under moses and and joshua the jews in the wilderness. They fail to enter because of disobedience. But again, and this is really important, but again he, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, and then there's this another really important phrase, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. All right, I think the Jewish people in that time, they, they got this just like that, okay? We maybe not so quick, but here's what's going on. God had promised them rest. He had, pro- he had promised them a promised land of rest back under Moses and Joshua. He had, he had, he had offered them a promise of rest in the land of Canaan, it, Canaan approximately 1400 B.C., But the author of Hebrews, what does he do? He reminds them that 400 years later, or as he says in the verse, so long afterward, through David, again, and that's in Psalm 95, again, God invited them to enter his rest. That means that the promise of rest was not a once-and-done sort of thing for those people back there it means that it was an ongoing promise. Okay, I hope I hope, hope you follow that. More importantly, I hope in some way it blesses you. It's, kind, it's, it's really kind of a, kind of an amazing reasoning that, that God didn't didn't just have good for them. Four hundred years later, he had he he spoke it spoke it again, and it's it's an it's an ongoing it's an ongoing promise verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. In other words, if Joshua leading Israel into the land of Canaan was the full and complete final plan of, plan of God for his people, then he would not still be offering a place of rest for his people today, but he is. So the, the land of Canaan was a, a a place of blessing, but it was only a, a foreshadowing or, or a type or a picture of the massive rest and blessing found in Jesus. And so God still offers that rest today. They they had good news preached to them, but we also have good news preached to us. So and so the conclusion in verse 9 is so then there remains to this very day there remains a sabbath rest a seventh day rest for the people of god so the bottom line is if you didn't follow any of that is that it's there for you today and do not dismiss the possibility that you can live every hour in god's rest and peace today and maybe the state of your heart has been more in turmoil and anxiety and that does not need to continue there's, a, there's, there's an offer made to you right now. There's an offer of rest and peace and inner quietness. A place of rest near to the heart of God. And that offer is made to you this morning. The second point that, that is made in this passage is that God's rest is such a grand thing that we should be afraid of missing it. Verse 1. We're, we're still, still just in verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. In other words, don't miss out on it like the people in the wilderness did. And the writer of Hebrews, I think it was Paul, but whoever it was, the writer of Hebrews has this passionate desire that not one single person that he is writing to would fail to experience, to possess, and to en- to enter this rest. And that was his passion because that's God's passion. God's passion is that not one person would fail to enter that rest. And that's that's my passion. That's that's our passion at Real Life Church. That every single every single person here, teenager, young person, old person. Our desires that you would not fail to enter all that God has prepared for you, and 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 fear or be, being afraid of missing that uh, can help you. Can help you. Okay, there, there's certain things that fear can help. Okay, fear of missing all that God has for you can can help you enter all that God has for you. Several years ago, we went on a trip. It's called the Footsteps of Paul. And it, we went with a Bible teacher named Lon Solomon. And uh, we saw all, the, maybe not all, but we saw a lot of the places that the Apostle Paul went to. We saw Philippi. We saw Corinth. We saw Ephesus. Uh, we saw Athens. All, all of these places we, we saw... Uh, Thessalonica, we, we saw Berea. I mean, just, it was just, just amazing. All the places you read about in the Bible, we were there. And each day, uh, we would get on our tour bus, we'd stay overnight somewhere, and we'd get on our bus the next morning just to see all these ancient sites. And on the first night of the trip, Lon Solomon made an announcement urging everybody to be on time for the bus. And then he said, we love you, but we will leave you. And it repeated that. I mean, I think, I think every night on the trip, the bus leaves tomorrow morning at such and such time. We love you, but we will leave you. And they actually did, did leave a, a person or two, a couple situations. Well, that announcement, it, 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 everybody kind of laughed, but it also it, it put a level of fear in us to get up and get ready, and be on the bus when it was supposed to leave. it was it was a protective fear. It was a fear that kept us from missing out on seeing Ephesus or Philippi or some other incredible sight on our trip. God's people in the wilderness, they missed out. They didn't properly respect or fear. God they didn't they didn't take God seriously enough and God promised them this this land that they could go into but they they refused to put their confidence in God to bring them into the land they they chose to believe their fears instead of God and they they said we can't take this land look at the size of the people there and the thickness of their walls and that unbelief resulted in disobedience and so so they didn't enter God's rest. At some point, that offer of God was no longer available. God had been saying, come and enter all that I have for you. But there came a point where God said, I swore in my anger that they shall not enter my rest. And so the logic of this passage is that there is a danger of missing out. There's the danger of missing out on salvation. There's a danger of missing out on all that God has planned and prepared for us. And we have good news preached to us too, just as they did. They didn't benefit from it. And the message is, please don't let that happen to you. Actually be afraid of missing out on so great a salvation. There is a point where the bus leaves. And let this fear be a protection to you to get on the bus so to speak let let this fear be a protection to lead you into the full experience of God's salvation and everything that accompanies it everything that accompanies his salvation third we enter god's promised rest through believing verse 2 for good news came to us just as to them but the message they heard did not benefit them because They were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest as he has said. That's the ESV. Uh, About about half of the translations, and the way I always memorize this verse in the New American Standard, was uh, that the message they heard did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. Uh, The ESV communicates the idea that they did not unite by faith with those who did listen, believe, and obey. Uh, But I think I I find it so helpful, and whichever translation is accurate, it is certainly true that the promises of God do not benefit you unless you mix them with faith. The point clearly is that the pathway of salvation, the key to this rest, is responding to what we hear with faith. In in fact, the, the pathway to everything that we receive from God is mixing what we hear with faith. Andrew Murray said in his commentary on Hebrews, "...we have in Scripture the most precious assurances of rest of the soul to be found under the yoke of Jesus." of peace, of of a peace of God which passes all understanding, and of a peace and a joy in the soul which nothing can take away. But when they are not believed, they cannot be enjoyed. One commentary said, But the word which they heard was no good to them because it did not become woven into the very fiber of their being through faith. And I love that because... That's that's what faith is. Uh, that that's this mixing what we hear with faith. It's taking what we hear and, and by fa- by mixing it with faith, it becomes woven into the very fiber of our being. And anything less than that really isn't faith. It's just hearing. It's just reading. It's just knowing. It's just memorizing. It, it's got to be mixed with faith. It's got to become a Of the very fiber of your being, it's got to be the way that you actually do think about life and think about things. It's got it, it. It's got to sink into your into your soul, and the only way that it can do that is to actually actually believe it and mix it with faith. You know, there's there's all kinds of hearing. There's indifferent hearing, skeptical hearing. There's hearing that goes in one ear and out the other. There's, there's hearing only to gain information but, but that's never the kind of hearing or listening that God requires of us The message that we say we believe must must actually be believed and acted upon so we, we are to hear we're to, we're to hear something what God says and and then stake our lives on it We're to to hear what God says, and then then we risk our reputation on it. We're to hear what God says, and then we we risk all our friendships on it. We're to to hear what God says, and we risk our future on it. We risk our popularity on it. We venture everything on the message of Jesus. And as we do that, we, we experience rest. We experience rest, God's rest, now in the measure that we believe. So again, uh, the way that we enter God's rest is—it's it's not merely hearing or knowing or reading, but but hearing and attaching our faith to what God has said. Faith, faith is the faith is the necessary ingredient. You know, one a couple of the statements of Jesus made uh, trouble a lot of people and and. And I, I know they can I know it can be twisted, but I think it's I think I think what he says here is so important. And several times he'll say to somebody, "So, woman, your faith has made you well, or be it done to you according to your faith." And again, I know those statements can be distorted, but Jesus said them for a reason, and that reason was to dramatically make the same point that the author of Hebrews is making. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to get anything from God. Without faith, it is impossible to enjoy and experience any of the promises of God. And without faith, it is impossible to enter His rest. So, if you're not enjoying the rest of God at at this season of your life, if if your soul is not at rest, if if quietness and rest and confidence is is not becoming more and more your experience, if you're not enjoying this great salvation, the missing ingredient probably is belief. As the missing ingredient is that is that you actually need to start believing God not to say that you trust God but to really trust God and to come out of the oppression and the burden and the shadow of unbelief and to just boldly believe God believe in the work of Christ to save you believe in the promise of the Holy Spirit to fill you believe in, in God's good and loving care over your life at all times and all places in all situations believe and enter rest Believe and enter God's rest. I mean, that's really the message of this chapter. It's pretty simple. I I hope I haven't made it too complicated. (laughs) But just believe and enter God's rest. One of the most important things we have to do every day, and I'm serious about this. This this is not just uh, sermon speak. (laughs) One of the most important things I have to do every day, one of the most important things you have to do every day, is to believe God, to have confidence in Jesus, to boast in him, to boast in the cross and all that Jesus has accomplished for you there, to boast in him, in Jesus, who took away all your sins and guilt and condemnation, to boast in him who opened the way for you into God's very presence and granted you favor and acceptance and adoption as God's son or daughter. Boast in his presence with you right now in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Boast in his power to help you today. Boast in his loving care. And that no matter what's going on, no matter what problems are unresolved, that you are in his hands. Boldly and confidently say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Even though I walk through a valley of deep darkness, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. My cup overflows. That, that kind of thinking and speaking, that kind of thinking and speaking is nothing more than mixing the promises of God with your faith. That's all it is. But it's taking what God says and latching onto it with, with faith, believing it. The fourth and, and final point very quickly is, is strive to enter this rest. Verse 11, the very last verse in this section, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Now that may sound like some paradox, or that may sound like some may may sound like a, a con- contradiction. It's like strive towards rest. Okay, it's not not maybe the way we would put it, but it's the way that the Holy Spirit puts it here in this passage. Strive to enter rest. Uh, Andrew Murray said, uh, "Faith, faith by its very nature." is resting in the promise and the promiser. I think an excellent definition of faith. Faith by its very nature is resting in the promise and what God has said and, then, and resting in the promiser, who's God. So, so this striving is to be in a state of belief. And which verse... Three. It goes right on to say, verse 3, For we who believe enter that rest. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a striving. If you're going to make any effort, the effort, the striving, the struggle, the fight, is to believe, is to believe God. There is nothing passive about believing God. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen. It's it's very it's a very dangerous thing to say, well, I, I I guess I do believe or I think I believe God or or I hope I believe. We we are we are to actively latch hold of God and His promises. There, there's a, there's a certain tenacity about faith. I mean, there's, there's a reason that that Paul, at the end of his life, said, I, I, I have fought the good fight. I've, I've, I've fought the, f- the good fight of faith. I've kept the faith. It was a battle. There's a, there's a tenacity about faith. So we, uh, we we, actively trust Jesus. We we actively place full confidence in Jesus. We boast in Jesus. We cling to to Jesus, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We believe God aggressively, and the result of all that is that we as we enter God's rest, and it's well well worth it. Let's let's pray.